Maya Angelou, by the way, I'm fired up. I'm sorry. Y'all going to get a whole load today. That's all I'm saying. Uh, and uh, it's certainly because my grandbaby Nora's in the house. Uh, but even more so, it's because Jesus is here and he's moving and he's shaping our lives and he's calling us together to be his people in a way that is fit for his family. And it fires me up. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 4. Uh, and as you're turning there, Maya Angelou said this. She said, love knows no barriers. It jumps hurdles, leaps fences, penetrates walls to arrive at its destination full of hope. Isn't that great? That's what love does. In the words of Marvin Gaye, there ain't no mountain high enough. There ain't no valley low enough. There ain't no river wide enough to keep me from getting to you, baby. Love, love makes us bold. And the purer the love, the greater the courage. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 God shows us about the courage, the boldness that his perfect love delivers. Listen, 1 John 4, 17. Love has been perfected among us in this. So, so here's, he's talking about a perfect love, a complete love, a love without any missing parts. He's talking about a love that, uh, that accomplishes its purpose. Love has been perfected among us in this way that we have boldness <coughs> in the day of judgment. Because as he is, as God is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, because perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love God because he first loved us. What's John telling us today? He's saying that bold living comes from God's perfect love. And certainly Marvin Gaye had a love, and he was willing to climb a mountain. He was willing to go through a deep, dark valley, and he was willing to uh, swim a, a wide river to, to express that love, to bring that love to someone else. But, but it's an imperfect love. It, it's a love that he had, but he didn't come through on all of its promises. The love that God has for us is a perfect love. That's, that's the whole point of 1 John chapter 4. In fact, much of this letter, he's saying, God loves you with a perfect love, and it should change your life. If you've tasted this perfect love of God, you know that it gives us courage. It gives us boldness. We live in a crazy world, don't we? We live in what some have called a VUCA world, V-U-C-A. It's an acronym uh, v stands for volatile. We live in a volatile world. U stands for uncertain. We live in an uncertain world. C stands for complex. We live in a complex world. A stands for ambiguous. We live in an ambiguous world. We're real people 
in this room and online, we're real people trying to navigate life's journey together. But how do we navigate when the season is so volatile and uncertain? When when it's so complex and ambiguous, how do we navigate? And the answer to that is found in God's perfect love. You want boldness in your life. It comes from God's perfect love. Now, what John does is he gives us an application point, and we'll get to that last. But he gives us the reason for our application. Uh, and and the, first, uh, the first reason for us to live boldly is that God's perfect love gives us life through Jesus. Oh, we need life. Do you remember when you were empty and incomplete, separated from God by your sin? Do you remember that day? And God looked at you and me in our deadness, and he sent Jesus to our rescue. I want you to look, beginning in verse, uh, verse, ni- uh, verse 9. He says, In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the payment price for our sin. What's he talking about here? He's talking about the uh, heaven's handbook definition of love. Heaven's handbook definition of love is not found in the lyrics of a Marvin Gaye song. Heaven's handbook definition of love is not found in the sentimental uh, songs and lyrics of love that we have on the playlist of our life. Heaven's handbook definition of love is the cross. Heaven's handbook definition of love is that Jesus went through the deepest, darkest valley and he swam the widest of rivers. And he climbed the mountain called Golgotha where he took upon himself the sin of you and me so that we, through faith in him, might be forgiven. Not only forgiven, but that we might find life in the face of every trauma, every tragedy, every trauma of our own making, every tragedy of our own making, in the face of our own tragic existence with all our failings and failures, in the midst of a life that is marked by rebellion against God, God in love sends Jesus to forgive, to take us at our worst and pour out his love toward us. Not because we've earned it, not because we deserve it, but because that's who God is. God loves you in spite of you. God loves me in spite of me. So often we define love in terms of, well, I love you because you're a nice guy, or I love you because you do what I want, or I love you because uh, you make a ooey-gooey feeling inside of my tummy. I, I love you because that's not perfect love. Perfect love is God's love, and God's love says, I'll love you at your worst. I'll love you in your sin. I'll love you enough to offer you a gift of life instead of death. 
Earlier I uh, read uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Let me recite it again. Ephesians chapter 2. You, I, we were dead in our sin and our trespass. Our sin had separated us from God so that we did not know life. We were only uh, encompassed in the cell and the shame of death created by our sin. And you were dead in your sin and your trespass in which you once walked. In the, uh, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, who now works among the sons of disobedience, among whom you also once conducted yourself in the lust of the mind and of the flesh, and we, you and I, were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, has made us alive together with Christ Jesus. By grace, we have been saved. We've been given life instead of death, light instead of darkness. Oh my goodness, what a magnificent love this is. It's not the kind of love that we, that, that, that we imagine it to be. It's bigger than that. It's a love that says, I will die for you so that you might live. And God has loved us with a perfect love, and that perfect love gives us life. A life. Not just living, but life. Satisfaction. Completeness, wholeness, a perfect love produces perfect life in us. It doesn't mean that we're going to walk in perfection this side of heaven, but it does mean we know what it looks like. We know what it tastes like. We know what it feels like. God looks upon us and he says, there ain't no mountain high enough. There ain't no valley low enough. There ain't no river wide enough that will keep me from giving you life. And Jesus came and delivered that. He died for you on a cross in your place for your sin. He took the punishment that we deserved upon himself so that we might be a recipient, so that we might be immersed, so that we might be transformed, changed from the inside out by God's perfect love. God's perfect love gives us boldness in this life because it brings us into his family. And once we're in the family of God, we are secure. That's the second thing God's perfect love does. God's perfect love gives security through Jesus. And oh, how we need security, right? One of the greatest challenges that we face right now in our world, in our culture, in our community, in the seven cities, one of the greatest challenges is the uncertainty of tomorrow. The the uncertainty of what uh, is going to drop on the news tomorrow or the the, the virus goes out of control. I mean, we're not in uh, the walking dead scenario, but it feels like it sometimes. The uncertainty, the, the insecurity that these days bring. But friends, can I tell you that because of God's perfect love, we are secure. We're secure. I, I read a few moments ago, 1 John 4, 17 through 19. Let me, let me uh, rehearse that again. A love has been perfected among us in this way, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as God is, so we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. What in the world is, is this a picture of? Well, it's a picture of how that 
because God in His grace and by His love has brought us into His family through Jesus Christ, He also secures us from here to heaven and for all eternity. You know, we're living surrounded by the pro- protection of God's love. You, know, you and I, as followers of Christ, as part of God's family, we've been changed. We, we have been transformed. We have a new heart. We have a new life. But that new heart and that new life is marked by the protection of God himself. He commits himself to you today. That's an amazing thing, that the God who created the universe, who has all of time and eternity in his mind and in his hand, is thinking about you. I mean, you, right now, right where you are. Not in a casual way, but in an intentional way. Not in a haphazard way, but in an intentional way. He he has poured out his perfect love toward us and brought us into his family, and he has secured us. He has secured us by his love. We've received this love, and, 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 and our response is to love him in return. And when we're swallowed up in the love of God, there is no fear. No fear for our today and no fear for our future. He's writing here, he's saying, when the judgment day comes, when we stand before God, we don't need to be afraid because we have been the recipient of God's perfect love through Jesus Christ. And friends, can I tell you that there will be a day when all of us will stand before God. All creation will one day stand before God and give an answer for the life that we have. And for you and for me who are followers of Jesus Christ, who have had our sin paid for through the death of Christ on the cross, for you and me who, uh, and those who have been brought into God's family because we've trusted in Jesus and, and he's changed us from the inside out, when we stand before God, we have no need of fear because we're not standing there based upon our own efforts. We're not standing there based upon our own goodness. We're not standing there based upon our own merits. If that were the case, we would all be doomed. But when we who have trusted Christ and have been a recipient of God's perfect love, when we stand before him at the end of time, we're standing there based upon the merit and the grace and the perfection and the righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. He covers us with his righteousness as he took upon himself our cursedness. Oh my goodness, what love is this? God has brought us into his family, and he has secured us even at the end of time. It's not going to be that way for everybody, by the way. Not everybody. All creation will stand before God, and those who are covered in the righteousness of Christ, those who have been the recipients of his perfect love and have been brought into his family through faith in Christ, we're secure. But everyone else stands before a holy God based upon their own merits and their own goodness. And they will come up short. And there is terror there. So if you're here today, online or in person, if you have yet to find your life in Christ, to find forgiveness of your sin through faith in Christ, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus by giving him all that you are, find security today by placing your faith in Jesus. He gives us security 
in eternity, but he also provides, his perfect love provides security in our everyday walk. I've already mentioned it, and I actually mentioned this at the 9 o'clock hour. I didn't know that my precious little darling, most beautiful of all granddaughters was going to be here, Nora. I didn't know she was going to be here today, but, but uh, I, I want you to understand. I, I mean, I need for you to comprehend that there ain't no mountain high enough. And there ain't no valley low enough. And there ain't no river wide enough that will keep me from caring for my granddaughter, protecting my granddaughter, loving my granddaughter. And certainly that's the case as it is for my granddaughter. It's certainly the case for my uh, wife and my daughters and my sons-in-law and for my brothers and my mom and my dad. It's certainly the case in my life and in the closest relationships that I have. Can I tell you that that's exactly the way God feels and acts toward you? Right here, right now, regardless of where you are, regardless of your failures, at failures, if you're part of God's family, he secured you as his own, and he has committed himself to take care of you. He has committed himself to give you security in your here and now as sons and daughters of the living God. He has brought you to his table under his protection, and you belong to him, and you are secure in that. There ain't no mountain high enough, and there ain't no valley low enough, and there ain't no river wide enough that will keep you from his love. The Apostle Paul said a little bit differently than Marvin Gaye, better too. He said, I am convinced that there's neither death nor life, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing that shall ever, 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 ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's perfect love gives us security here to heaven and for all eternity. So why did John, again, and this isn't the only time in this letter that he's talked about this, but why did he tell us this again? Because he wanted us to get to the application. See, the point of this passage are not those two points that I just put up there. That's the reason for the passage. That's the reason for, for what, what he calls us to be and to do. The, the application... That's the point of this passage. And the application is God's perfect love makes us people who love others. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I need you to look at me right now. I want you to hear this. There is no excuse for a follower of Jesus Christ not to love others. Because God has poured his love into your heart so that you might Share his love with one another and with the world. And it's not just us loving our family, it's loving others into our family. I want you to hear from God again, verse 7 through 11. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, or from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. 
He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was revealed toward us, that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us, and He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. Verse 11, Beloved, if God has loved us in this way, we also, we must love one another. Love is unselfish sacrifice for the sake of another. That's love. A love is where we pay any price to help another see God, know God, find life through God's perfect love. God is the spring from which perfect love flows, and all that He does is an act of love, and He has called us His children. He's called us his sons and daughters. He's transformed our hearts so that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. He's changed my life. He's made me brand new. And the expression of the new life that God's perfect love has has, uh, uh, given to me is I will love others. If we know God, if we know Him, we will love others. It is core curriculum in the family of God. It is the DNA of who we are. It's the new heart that He has given us. We will love others. We will love others the way He has loved us. We will love others. And, and it's easy when, when it doesn't require a cost isn't it? I mean, loving others is easy when it doesn't cost us anything. Loving others is easy when they're loving us. But the mandate of this passage is to love others even when it's hard, even when they don't love us in return. I want you to look at verse 12. He says, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us And his love has been perfected in us. If we love one another, not if we know a bunch of stuff, not if we hold the banner high of our own moral code of conduct, those things aren't bad, and I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just telling you that's not the measure here. What gets us to the goal of God's love accomplishing His purpose is how we show God to a world in need of Him. And the way we show God to a world in need of Him is how we love others even when it's hard. We love others not when they behave rightly. We love others in spite of them behaving wrong, wrongly. We love others not when they're nice. We love others even when they're mean. We love others not when it's convenient. We love others even when it's inconvenient. Just as Jesus has loved us, you and I must love others. In the same way. How, how did Jesus love you? 
He didn't, he, he didn't bring you into God's family because you had earned it in some way. He didn't bring you into God's family or me into God's family because somehow we had garnered his grace or merited his mercy. He didn't bring us into his family because we had, had somehow uh, uh, earned it. He, he didn't bring us into his family because we're uh, nice or because we're Baptist or Methodist or whatever. He, he didn't bring us into his family because we're religious or we're moral or we're American. He brought us into his family. He offered us that chance because that's who he is, because he is love. So now think about your relationships with others. Think about the, the, the people you meet and the people that you converse with, the people that, that you encounter at your work or at your school. Think about those people that are atheists or agnostics or, or uh, agnostic or who are hateful about God or hateful about you. Think about those people that have treated you poorly or treated you in an unkind way. Think about all those people and lump them all together, and here's God's mandate for you as it is to me. Love them. With unselfish sacrifice, love them. We look at people through the lens of how they treat us, we will fail in this mandate. But if we look at people through the lens of how God has treated us, we'll find victory here. So when you look around, even as you leave this place today, as you look around, as you see people, and as you go to the restaurant and you're, you're, you're sitting there and you see the server or the other people at other tables, or you, you, you leave there, you go home and, 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 you, and, and you encounter uh, unkind words, or you go to uh, work tomorrow or go to school tomorrow and you encounter people that, that aren't very nice to you, in those moments, here's what you do. With God, you sing, ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Ain't no river wide enough to keep me from loving you. Because that's how God has loved me. Today the question, the question that I think should be ringing in our hearts is, have we received this perfect love that gives us boldness to love others, that gives us boldness in the uncertainties and insecurities of our day, that gives us boldness in, in the face of, 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 of this life itself? Have we received that perfect love? Again, here, I'm not talking about being a religious person because I've been a religious person all my life, and uh, for the first uh, almost two decades of my life, first decade and a half, I, didn't, I had never received this love. I'd never known the love of God. I was a moral person and I was a religious person, but I was empty and incomplete because I didn't know God. I wasn't part of his family. Do you have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ that has changed you from the inside out? And if you have not received that, you might say, well, how do I know? Look at verses 13 through 16. It says, by this we know that we abide in him. By this we know that we have this relationship with God. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. 
And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in Him. What's he saying? He's saying, well, first of all, you can know that you are part of God's family if the Spirit of God resides within you. The, the Spirit of God who corrects us and, and, and instructs us and encourages us and, and, and testifies of the will and the Word of God to our hearts every day. We, we have the Spirit of God residing within us. By the way, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. What does that mean in Galatians 5.22? He's, he's saying the fruit of the Spirit is love and all these other attributes are part of love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. If, if that's why love is so important. We love others when the Spirit of God is alive in us. We know that we belong to God. We're part of His family when His Spirit resides within us. His Spirit, even now, convicts us and compels us and encourages us and speaks truth to our hearts, the truth of God. No, we know we belong to God's family. If you're not sure you have the Spirit of God within you, then chances are you don't. And chances are, and, and, and it's not that mystical. It's just you know that the Spirit of God uh, has brought you to a place where you see your need of a Savior. His name is Jesus, and you have trusted Christ as your only hope. And by repentance of sin and trust in Jesus and his death on the cross as payment for your sin, his resurrection from the dead, as giving you new life, in that moment the Spirit of God has led you to a new life and a new birth, and he's given you a new heart. Guys, I, I was dead, but now I'm alive, and I can testify that that change took place because the Spirit of God resides within me. Not only do we have the Spirit of God residing within us, but we also believe and testify. We have seen and we make known that Jesus has changed my life. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lame, but now I walk. I once was dead, but now I live. There's a difference. It's not a religious difference it is a whole hog difference that's taken place in my heart and in my life. If you're here today, online or in person, and you're not sure that you have been transformed, changed, made new, then chances are you're not yet a follower of Jesus and you haven't tasted the perfect love of God. And that needs to happen today. And if that's your desire, if that's the desire of your heart, then I invite you today to call upon God who in his love desires to forgive your sin and give you a new life. Look upon Jesus. He's the payment price. He died so that you can live. He took your sin upon a cross and he killed it there so that he could cover you in righteousness rather than condemnation. He was raised from the dead so that you might have a new life. So today, if you long to taste that perfect love of God, if you long to enter into God's family, then admit that you're a sinner and your sin has separated you from God. Believe that Jesus is your only hope for rescue. 
and commit to him that you will follow him all the days of your life. Simple prayer. Oh, God, I know I'm a sinner, and my sin has killed me. It's destroyed my life. I'm empty, and I need you. I believe that Jesus came to rescue me. And that in love, he went to a cross and he died for my sin there. He took the punishment that I deserved so that I might live. And then he was raised from the dead so that I might walk in new life every single day. So God, based upon who Jesus is and based upon my trust in him, I pray that you would give me new life today. Bring me into your family. Simple prayer like that. Spoken to God from a heart. Yielded to the Spirit of God. And you will enter God's family and find new life. And if that's what you desire to do, or maybe that's what you've done, I want to encourage you. Before you leave here today, before you turn off uh, your platform at home, I want you to text Jesus to the number on the screen. Or email pastor at firstnorfolk.org and just say, I want to become a follower of Jesus. I want to enter into God's family. Or I've prayed that prayer, and I want to publicly declare that I am now a follower of Christ. If you already are a follower of Jesus, that's who you are. You know that. There's no doubt. Here's what this message should do for you and me. It should call us to love. To love. With the same passion, with the same urgency, with the same sacrifice and selflessness with which God has loved us. God's perfect love gives us boldness to love others. The closing song that we're going to sing is a Phil... Wickham song. The opening of it goes like this. How great a chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven. I spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished. The end is written. Jesus Christ, my only living hope. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that by your word, you would draw to yourself those whom you are calling. And by your spirit, give courage and faith to trust in you. I pray, O oh God, that in these next few moments as we worship you through song, that, that we might declare our allegiance to you. I pray that we would commit ourselves who belong to you, that we would be bold in living, secure in your grip, and that we would be bold in loving, following your example. Now nourish our souls with your presence. Overwhelm us with the miraculous love that you've displayed. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.